This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you who are watching this time, especially if you may be watching for the very first time. And of course, we appreciate those who watch every time we're on the air. Now today, as we discuss things from the Bible, we're going to discuss this subject, things you may have heard. Things you may have heard. Sometimes we hear lots of things about different situations and on investigation it may be not what we thought that was the right situation. So today, things you may have heard. Stay tuned. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And I want to emphasize it's free. We want you to have it. Thousands and thousands of people across the land and all over the world are studying this Bible correspondence course and we want you to have it as well. We'd like to pause for just a moment so that you can learn more about the course and learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from the 17th chapter of Acts, beginning in verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, and saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore we want to know what these things mean. We all hear things sometimes that might seem strange to us. We see things that may seem odd and strange. But but upon further investigation, they might not seem to be as off the wall as we once thought. There, There are things that I once thought about the Holy Land. I had some preconceived ideas about it. But then after taking a trip there, I learned that what I had thought and the truth were not the same. Uh, Often I hear someone remark that that the Church of Christ teaches, and then they give a particular thing they think is taught. And often they're right. But often they are misinformed. They don't, that the Church of Christ may not teach what they think it teaches. You know, Jesus said, 
you have heard that it hath been said. And then he went on to say what they had heard in the past, and then he would say, but I say unto you, I want us to think today about some things that you may have heard, th things that might seem strange to you concerning the church of Christ. You may have heard that the church of Christ doesn't believe the Old Testament. Someone said that to me the other day, that, that they were told that the church of Christ does not believe the Old Testament. Well, that's, that's not so, because every word of the Old Testament is the word of God. And there's so much benefit and profit in studying it. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that, that we through comfort and patience of the Scriptures might have hope. So he's talking about the Old Testament there in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul told Timothy, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It's by studying the Old Testament that we can study the prophecies about the Old Testament about Jesus Christ. And we can understand the, the scheme of redemption that God had from the very foundation of the world through studying the Old Testament on into the New Testament. You see, every word of the Old Testament is God's Word. And we believe it. There is profit in studying. As a matter of fact, it would be rather difficult to believe the New Testament unless you believed the Old Testament. In Luke, the 24th chapter, and in verse 44, listen to what Jesus said. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Why, well, Jesus said the things that were written in the law of Moses, the things that were written in the uh, prophets, the things that were written in the Psalms concerning him had to be fulfilled. Well, it would be hard to believe in the fulfillment if we did not believe in the prophecy. We believe every one of the prophecies in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is filled with prophecies about Jesus and about the kingdom. Genesis 3.15 is a promise about Jesus Christ. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That was a promise that God made in the very beginning of time, that he was going to bring a Redeemer into the world to deal with the problem of sin, and that Redeemer would come through the seed of the woman, which in fact Jesus did. Zechariah 13 and 1 was a prophecy about Jesus Christ. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. And that was a prediction about Jesus shedding his blood on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. And likely that's the basis of a song that is often sung in a worship service. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And then what about the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14? A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. What about the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6? Unto us a child is born, 
Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ. Then what about Isaiah chapter 53, telling us that he was wounded for our transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All of those are Old Testament prophecies and predictions. And the emphasis of the New Testament is on Jesus Christ as the one who fulfilled Old Testament prophecy and prediction. For instance, in Acts the 8th chapter and in verse 35, Philip the evangelist is teaching the man from Ethiopia. And he learned that this man from Ethiopia was reading from the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. And in Acts 8 and 35, the Bible says, He began at the same scripture. Well, what scripture? Well, the scripture the man was reading from the book of Isaiah. He began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You see, the emphasis of the New Testament is on Jesus as the one who fulfilled prophecy. In Acts the 18th chapter and verse 28, listen, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the Scriptures, that's the Old Testament, that Jesus is the Christ. So the emphasis of the New Testament is on Jesus is the one who fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Do we believe the Old Testament? Absolutely, we believe the Old Testament. However, God promised to replace the law, the Old Testament law given to the Jews by Moses. God made that promise in Jeremiah 31 and 31. He said that the days would come when he would give a, a, a new law. And it would not be the law that he gave them when they came out of the land of Egypt. That is the Old Testament law, the law of Moses. The law of Moses served a purpose. There was a reason for it. In Galatians, the third chapter, for example, and in verse 19, the Bible says the law was given for a purpose. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was, was made. Well, what's that seed? Well, look in verse 16. And to Abraham and his seed, singular, were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. The law of Moses was given until the seed would come, and Christ is the seed. And after the seed has come, the law of Moses would have served its purpose. In verse 23 he said, But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. They were restrained by the law of Moses. The Lord wanted to keep the, the bloodline pure through whom Jesus would come into the world. And hence he gave that law to restrain them from sin. And he said, kept for the faith which would after would be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Well, I would ask, are we now justified by faith? Indeed. Look in verse 26 of this chapter. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you 
as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, he says, but therefore the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. And we are now justified by faith. But after faith has come, and it has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Well, what was the tutor? The law. So logically, the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches, not Brother Lambert, not the Church of Christ, the Bible teaches that we're no longer under the law. You see, when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, Jesus Christ did something with that law. Turn with me now to the book of Colossians, the second chapter of Colossians and verse number 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. So let, let no one judge you in, in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. The law served its purpose in bringing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord has done away with it. Well, why did he do that? In order that he might give us a new law. Today we have the law of Jesus Christ. In Galatians the 6th chapter, and in verse number 2, Jesus said, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're not under the old, we're under the new. That doesn't mean we don't believe the old. We know that the old served its purpose in bringing us to Jesus. Let me read to you now from Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies... She is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be, we call, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Now here is his point. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law. What law? The law of Moses. You've become dead to the law. Through the body of Christ. That is, when Jesus died, he did away with that law, so they died to the law, that you might be married to another. That is, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should, bring, uh, should bear fruit to God. So when Jesus died, he did away with the, all, the old, he gave the new. And both laws cannot be binding at the same time. The age of the world in which we live, men and women will be held accountable to the gospel of Christ, not to the law of Moses. Does that mean that we don't believe the Old Testament? I believe every word of the Old Testament to be the word of God. But we're not amenable to it. We will not be held accountable to it when we stand before God on the day of judgment. 
but I will be judged by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the New Testament, not the Old. In Jesus' transfiguration in Matthew, the 17th chapter, is an illustration of, the, I think, the difference in the Old and in the New. You might want to turn over to Matthew, the 17th chapter. And it was on this occasion that Jesus Christ was transfigured. And uh, we're told that uh, in verse 3 that Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Moses was the lawgiver. Elijah was the dean of the prophets. And it seems as though that Moses and Elijah came to lay down their authority at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God says, that, Now I want you to listen to my son. Jesus is the one that speaks to us in this day. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews, the first chapter, and I want you to look in verses 1 and verse 2. God, who at sundry times and in various ways spoke in time past by, to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Now let's analyze what we just read. He said, God in past times spoke to the fathers by the prophets. In these last days, in the last age of Bible history, in the Christian age, has spoken to us how? By Moses? No, by his son. God speaks to us today through his son. He is our prophet. We're to listen to Jesus. There is benefit and there is profit in studying the Old Testament. But we must learn to rightly divide the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. And when we learn to rightly divide the Bible, then we come to understand there is an Old Testament, there is a New Testament. The Old Testament served its purpose in bringing us to Christ. And today, those who live in this side of the cross of Christ, who live in the Christian age that began with the death of Jesus on the cross and the preaching of the gospel on the day of Pentecost, are to be held accountable not to the Old Testament law, but to the New Testament law. Some find their duty in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Well, there are lessons to be learned there, but I'm not going to be held accountable for the keeping of it. If I would be held accountable for the keeping of the Old Testament law, then today I'd have to be offering animal sacrifices. If not, why not? And then if we were held accountable to the Old Testament law, people would be stoned if they were to forsake the assembly of the saints when they come together to worship. That's what happened when people would neglect the Sabbath day in the Old Testament. It would be very difficult for us to live today strictly by that Old Testament law. Why, if we were living by that Old Testament law, we, that we would be bound by the law of circumcision. And I don't know of anyone that wants to go back to those things because in Galatians 5 and verse 1, Paul referred to that as a yoke of bondage. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not in, uh, entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 
That old law was a, a yoke of bondage. It, it, was a, it was a law that no man could keep perfectly except the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we live in an age of grace. We have the gospel of Christ. And we'll stand before Him one day and we will give an account of our lives in keeping with what Jesus tells us. Listen to John 12, 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has one that judges them. The word that I have spoken, the word that I have spoken, will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that His command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So whatever Jesus tells us to do is what the Father told Him to tell us. That's why Jesus said, All authority hath been given unto me in heaven and on earth. So you may have heard that, that we don't believe the Old Testament. Well, not so. We do believe the Old Testament. So that's just one thing you may have heard that's not accurate. You may have heard that the Church of Christ teaches work salvation because they teach baptism is essential to salvation. Well, first of all, man is saved by the grace of God, Ephesians 2 and 8. There isn't anything that a man can do to save himself. There isn't anything that a man can do to put God in debt to him so that a man owes him salvation. Well, someone may say, but aren't we saved by faith in Christ? Absolutely. But that in and of itself and alone is not, is not enough to save us. Let me read a passage to you from James, the second chapter, and verse 24. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. It would be very hard for me to teach the doctrine of faith only in light of James 2, verse 24. And if you'll study carefully the second chapter of James, you will learn that the works there is equivalent to obedience to God. You see that a man is justified by obedience, by works, and not by faith only. If you're saved by faith only, well, the devils would be saved. Verse 19 says, you believe there is one God, you do well, even the devils, the demons believe and tremble. And I don't think anyone is ready to say that they were saved. So faith is essential. But faith itself actually is a work of God. I want to call your attention now to John the 6th chapter and in verse number 29. In verse 28 the people ask, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So the truth is, faith itself is a work. You see, we have to understand, there are different kinds of works that are mentioned in the Bible. For instance, in Ephesians 5 and verse 11, we read about the unfruitful works of darkness. That's one kind of work. In Galatians 5 and verse 19, we read about the works of the flesh. In, in Matthew 5 and verse 16, we read about good works, good works. 
In uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 9, we read about meritorious works, not by works which we have done. And so in James, the second chapter, in verse 17, we read about dead works. Faith, uh, works, faith without works is dead, being alone. Baptism is not any more a meritorious work than is faith. Baptism is a work of faith. Let me read to you from the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, in which also you were raised with him through faith, through faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Penitent believers are taught to be baptized for the remission of their sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. And it is not a matter of works salvation any more than faith is a work, other, a meritorious work. I want you to notice what Paul taught about the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said the gospel saves and he preached the facts about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ and they were saved by that gospel. But furthermore, what did the Corinthians do to obey that gospel? And to understand that, we look at the example of their conversion in Acts the 18th chapter and in verse number 8. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. That's how they obeyed the gospel. And that's the exact same thing Paul taught the people in Rome. They were, heard the gospel, they died to sin, and they were baptized into Christ. Romans 6, verse 1 through 6. We are saved by God's grace in obeying the gospel. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth, he is baptized, shall be saved. While baptism is essential to our salvation, there are just some things it can't do for us. It cannot give us a license to sin. It cannot take the place of repentance. It cannot take the place of faith. And baptism cannot take the place of faithful service. Yes, sometimes people think some of these things are strange. But let's not think what God says to be strange. Let's obey it. And I'd encourage you to become a New Testament Christian by believing in Christ, by repenting of your sins, confessing your faith by being baptized into Him today. But I encourage you right now to call for the free Bible correspondence course. May I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ here in your own community. And I believe you'll be delighted to find out what the Church of Christ is all about. It may not be what you have heard. I want to thank you for watching today. And I want, to, I want you to know that I appreciate the fact that you've watched. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>